Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Rev Covery. Uh, it's the podcast where us former ministers talk about uh, leaving ministry and what we're doing now. Uh, and, I like your entrance. <laughs> and, and we're glad you're here with us. Yeah, we are. So if you're considering leaving ministry, if you've already left, or if you're just like, hey, the church, the church needs to change. I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm pulling my hair out. Come to the right spot. Welcome to the Rev Covery Room. Welcome. My name is Justin Gentry. I was a pastor for, I, I waffle on this quite a bit. Sometimes I say yeah. 10 years, sometimes I say 15. Kind of depends on what you call pastor. Cause there was a, you know, there were a lot of those like for exposure gigs that I got. Yeah. You know what? Now that you say that, I think I've been like, Cause I 16 full time, but before that, like I was a youth pastor in college and yeah, there's just like, how do you, how do you count? I don't know. So at least a decade, I, I know that for sure. Between 10 and 15 years, I was a minister. So a lot of, a lot of Easter's and a lot of Holy weeks and a lot of Christmases, a lot of, so this is, this is, let's, yeah. let's set the stage for this. So this, since we launched the podcast, we started out uh, about a month of just us sharing our story, sharing our ethos, sharing our hopes for what this podcast will be. And and then we really started jumping into people's stories. And what Justin and I realized is that we, as much storytelling as we think is super important, because it is, we also think part of it is giving a practicality of, you know, in the recovery room, what are some, what are some ailments we've all experienced? And then what are some things that have been helpful? Maybe some some cures even? What are some some things that help us? What are some things that need to be on hospice? There's just all this idea of moving beyond just storytelling because storytelling, again, is super important. And so we have been grateful for all of the stories that we've heard. If you haven't had a chance to join our Discord by you know, joining our Patreon. Patreon is how you are able to get the Discord. Incredible stuff is happening in there. And we are going to continue to do that. But really, that's also a place for you to be able to share your story with folks just beyond Justin and I. And it's a good place to go if you need some anonymity. We just finished recording another episode where we were interviewing someone and they shared that they have been sharing our podcast secretly. And I got to tell you, Justin, we hear that over and over again. We, we're the secret podcast. We are a secret podcast, which I like is it. I like it's it. great, undercover, whatever. But one of the things that Justin and I wanted to talk a little bit about is oh, when Sarah, you have... Sarah, can you, enter, can you just say who you are? Even oh, I'm just Sarah Heath. Yeah, did I not Sarah. say who I was? I don't think, I don't know if you did. Hi, friends. I'm Sarah Heath, who's just jumping into this. Because one of the things that Justin and I talked about is that, again, rhythms, things that we're used to what happens when those aren't part of your life in the same way? We're doing this special episode that is really about the fact that this is Holy Week for many folks, unless you're Eastern Orthodox or if you're not a believer, whatever, which not a believer, that's a weird way to say things. But what is that like when you are now outside of a church structure? And also, uh, how can you make it meaningful if you still are part of one when this literally, someone within our Discord shared with us that like, 
we asked, hey, what do you want to hear from episode like this? They said, what do you do when it is the busiest week of our year and it's also supposed to be the most meaningful? For pastors, it's not. Like, no. I'll just like, to me, spoiler alert, December and Easter suck. If you're a pastor, you get to be part of meaningful moments. Like if I rewind to like the best of ministry for me, like let's just take deconstruction out of it. Let's just take a lot of that and just say like, you know, the, the times I was kind of in the groove in ministry, so to speak, like you get to be present for a lot of meaningful moments and you get to create a lot of meaningful moments for other people. And there's value in that. I'm not saying it's just it's valueless, but you you do get caught up in creating meaningful moments for other people so much that I think sometimes you start thinking that that's meaningful for you too. And, and I, I've found now that le now that I've left is like, oh, like I did a lot of great things for other people. <laughs> and that was good. Like it's not, but I, did I have an Easter week where I got to enjoy something or did I have spiritual experiences and not catering them for other people. It's learning how to even do that for yourself again is I think a challenge. You know, I had this thought. Um, so this week I actually did preach in a local church, which was an interesting experience for sure. Also, I did a funeral for a member of a church that I used to be the pastor of. And I had this moment, Justin, where I was sitting on a pew alone again. Mm-hmm. And it struck me that during this, you know, obvious funeral, I am once again in a position of like looking out and creating this, this experience, this moment. And it was sort of a microcosm of every event in my life for the last 16 years that has been around these rhythms of holiday that I felt as if I am staring in, I am sitting alone watching. And the thing that I like, poured my heart out to create. Same with this Sunday, uh, went to preach. I was sitting alone again. And I just want to recognize that for so many of you, you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to try to create a meaningful moment and feel outside of it. You know, the number of Christmases I sat in a pew alone because I am not married either. So not only was I alone during the Christmas service, but I would go home alone. And I think there is just this grief that we have to acknowledge that is both a joy. Yes, you're creating this really cool thing. You're getting to do this thing, but you're also not having the same experience as other people. So if you are wondering what the hell to do with, like this is my first Easter. This is my first Easter week or uh, Holy Week that I... I took a preaching gig because my friend was going out of town. And so I took it, not realizing it was Palm Sunday until he mentioned it. And so other than that, this is my first Easter where I am not preaching like many times. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Particularly as someone who's shifted in faith and then kind of what are the emotions along the lines of that? So do you remember your first holiday that was not one that you were orchestrating? Well, Yes, I I did go immediately after I was I left ministry. I did go to like a friend's church because they invited me for Easter, and then I always think that one doesn't count. I barely remember it, but I do remember going to Easter services in the intervening years at churches. I was part of a 
kind of a house church kind of thing here in Columbus for a while. Uh, it has since folded up and it was, it was an interesting church because they would basically just kind of meet in like a small group for a couple, for like a couple months. And then you would meet for like a month as like big, big church or whatever. So it was, it was different. I think that's why I chose it. But I, I just, I do remember being like, you become almost like a former baseball player watching a baseball game in the sense that like you can enjoy it, but you're also like, oh, they didn't do that quite right. Or, oh, that's interesting. Like it's, it's like, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's just a, and not like criticism in the sense that like, oh, I'd do that different, but it's just more of a like, oh, that's an interesting moment. Or you're listening to a sermon, like, oh, that was a really good transition, you know, like, or comedians listening to other comedians, like, we'll do that. Like, this is funny. I'm enjoying it. But also like, oh, that was really good. Or, oh, that was kind of clumsy. Like, maybe I need to tell them how to make that a little better, you know? And so you do kind of miss being in the driver's seat sometimes because you that's where you used to be. And, and that has since gone away. The last church I went, last time I was in a church, I guess the last time I've been at church was 2018, 2018. I think that was the last service was an Easter service. Oh, fascinating. And it was kind of like we went and it was like, this is, and, and I, it was a very much an experience of like, at least for me, was like, this is just not for me anymore. And it wasn't in the like angry way. It wasn't in the, or even like, this is dumb. You know, I think I've shared this before, like, this is great for someone else. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And and this particular church was wonderful. If anyone came to Columbus and said, "I'm looking for a, an affirming church that's you know full of great people," this would be one of the churches I would send them to. But it just like you know, I just can't do this anymore. It's not for me. Yeah, I, I shared with you when we, you and I were just chatting. I going to this church was fantastic. Actually, preaching for a, the funeral, being able to do what I would call like my my zone of, of genius really is being able to speak into painful moments and also hopefully be able to speak since I get paid to do it. Uh, that's just kind of my gifting and I feel really comfortable in that. But I had two back-to-back -back experiences. So I was at church all weekend, which is weird, right? When you are no longer a local church pastor. And when I was at this church that I used to be on staff at, and this is a church that several churches ago, they said to me, a couple of them came up and they're like, what are you doing now? Are you, where, what church are you at? And as I'm explaining that I am no longer a local church pastor, so many people were like, what? You're so good at it. And I said, oh, that's so kind. But I, I recognized in myself in those moments when I was explaining to them why I wasn't, I meant it. I don't want to be doing that work anymore, which is a really good experience to have seven months later, like, right? Because it's really hard for me right now. Like running my own business is really hard for me, you know, and I, I question all the time whether hopping into my own business was the best move, but the move I'm not questioning is whether or not I should be a local church pastor. And even today when I was, same thing. For me, I was at a really cool community, loved sharing with them, loved being with them. It's not my gig anymore. And I, it, it isn't a place of judgment anymore. It isn't a place of like, you know, whatever it might be. I just thought, wow, I have no desire. I have no creative ability around this anymore. I just, I love it for you guys. I don't need it for me in the way that I did, to lead it anyway. You're right, going to church in this state is difficult. 
I think experiencing holidays that usually had church is difficult. And I'm wondering, even from your perspective, what are some, because you've got kids, so you've got like rhythms around this stuff. What are some practices or things that you're doing just sort of around this stuff? Because even though mm-hmm. you aren't necessarily a person of faith <laughs> at this point, <laughs> I mean, you. I love how you always leave the door kind of open. I feel like there's still the rhythms. I'm a hopeful agnostic. Yeah, I think it is interesting with kids. I, I don't know if I've shared this on this podcast or not, but I, I feel like one of my daughters is a budding pagan right now. Cute. Very, very much into the earth and nature and the fairy folk. So I think our rhythms kind of skew that way now. But I, you know, we still, you know, we dyed Easter eggs today, which is my least favorite. I'm discovering it is one of my least favorite things. Oh, really? Coloring Easter eggs. I don't know what it is. It's just more of like the whole time I'm doing it. I'm like, why is this a thing? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of cool if you look up the history of it. And it does have like symbolic christian meaning but it came from a festival of harvest and uh new life and easter is a if you want a good laugh the last couple episodes of go home bible you're drunk tori williams douglas and i we really riff a lot on the fact that easter was a very pagan holiday and christians didn't really even try like it's called easter after the Anglo-Saxon goddess of Stara. Like this is, we're not even trying. So for me, I think a lot of it is just like, we still do an Easter egg hunt. We still, you know, the Easter bunny comes. And, that, and that's another thing too, like Christians, we celebrate Easter. The Easter bunny comes to your house and then you go to church. Like that's, it just seems like a very odd, like juxtaposition of things. And not having that juxtaposition in my house where it's like, we just, we get up and we have, you know, French toast or whatever, and we do an Easter egg hunt. And that, and it can just be that. It could be a celebration of spring and new life and coming in. And I think that's a rhythm that we've just kind of created now that I'm outside of church. And I would encourage anyone, it really depends on where you're at. And I think I just, I had a couple of people ask me this question, like, what do you do on Easter now? And I think it really just depends on your level of trauma. If, if church is still important to you, go, like you can go. Like, yeah, absolutely. You are free to do that. If church is traumatic for you, don't go. (laughs) Like, you, I mean, I'm saying it simply, but it's just don't feel like you have to. I think it's so hard because it's layered, right? Because you've got family who may not have the same trauma you have. And trauma, we, we understand that trauma is an overused word. There is. But there really is in the DSM that's coming out. So the diagnostic tool uh, is starting to talk about religious trauma. So there is there is actual trauma stuff that we keep in our body, the experience like there really is. And so, yeah, I think it's this it's a super interesting thing. What do you do with it? I I am trying to leave myself open to mystery. I am trying to reclaim my own spirituality. And I, you know, it's so funny. I have the prayer of unknowing by Thomas Merton, mm-hmm. like on my desk. And I, I still don't know kind of where I'm at in some ways. And I think I don't want to miss Easter, but I don't know what that means for me right now. Yeah. And so I'm reading, you know, I'm reading a John O'Donohue book. No one's surprised. Uh, just someone I've been devouring. And he has this great book. Anamkara, I think it's called. And I just have been kind of thinking about that and the embodied spirit and 
why do I still love the resurrection story? And I think it's because I love the idea of resurrection and not just like the actual Jesus got up moment. Um, do you like how I just called like all of Christianity moment? The Jesus uh, get up moment. It's kind the of Jesus stressed get up moment. Bad. Yeah, guys, I was, I was such a good preacher. You guys really should have come. <laughs> but I think there is this overall thing that I can't get out of my system of I love the idea of restoration, of resurrection, of that which we thought was dead. You know, I'm walking a labyrinth this week with a friend. And if you don't know what a labyrinth is, it's just like a really cool little maze almost experience and you walk to the center. There's something about pausing and doing something different. And so for me, I am still playing with the idea of, am I going to go to a church somewhere? It's difficult because my former church that I was the lead pastor of still holds a lot of meaning for me. So do I go there and experience it? And the answer might be for me, yes, but you're right. There's a lot of letting go that has to happen, right? And also, in, and this isn't a question we have to answer on air, but I think this <laughs> is just, well, it's a question for listeners too. Like, do you want to have that experience or not? Like, it was a difficult experience for us to decide to go to church, for me to decide to go to church, I'll just say, and then experience slowly over time an increasing amount of disconnection. You know, because I, I lost my desire to be a pastor almost immediately after being let go. But this was also me losing my faith. Like, right. and if this year is not the year you want to wrestle with that, then I don't feel like you have to. I think sometimes in deconstruction spaces or even in, in American spaces where you have to like commoditize or you have to get through it quick. There's an immediacy. You know, you guys are going to be so lucky to hear an interview soon, not because of Justin and I, but we had Ogun on and he was speaking about this idea of there are white supremacy things that we don't even recognize. And one of them is the idea of immediacy in our culture. And that might sound weird, but it really, I am 100% enslaved by this idea of I need to figure this out. I need to figure this out now. And part of that's out of necessity, right? Like I am a single human who who runs my own life and I am currently not partnered. So that means that, you know, I have got to figure out some things just to even live and make it and do all that. But I also think I don't, I want to bypass the pain. I want to bypass some. So this season has been really good for me because I have so many people around me holding me to the fire in some ways and saying, Sarah, you're you're going too quick again. You can't get to that conclusion yet because I'm not needing to. And I think that's the thing, like the decision to the decision to go or not to go, to participate or not to participate, what works for you, it doesn't have to be so what's the word heavy. It doesn't have to be so in important in some ways. I think like give yourself some grace and some time for pastors, for those of you like the the gentleman in our discord who was saying like, how do I reconcile these two? I think it's okay to say that this is about the show and I need to make space for beyond that. So if you want to engage in your own spiritual practices, I think this is a chance for us to say, you know, I need to make my own spiritual life a you know, a priority. And it's something you and I have talked about before, which is this idea of, oh, I'll deal with that later. And it's so easy to get in that 
mindset. And then something like this comes along. And if you're on the edge, one more Easter is so hard. And also, like, I think, too, like you touched on this, approaching it with a playfulness and a lightness, too. Like if you are in ministry currently right now and you're listening to this, this is Easter week. Someone gave this to you in the dark of night. And and as as a secret. (laughs) And we're not doing a good pep talk so far. I'm sorry. But I also think like engage in the playfulness of like Easter is an utterly made up day. (laughs) Yeah, the day we decided it was Easter. The, yeah. yeah, like based on the lunar calendar, what in the world is even based on the lunar calendar anymore? Obviously, you have to do the show and tell. You got to put on your God hat and <laughs> and give them a show. Like I'm, I'm being as playful as I can. But like, don't you don't have to put pressure on this being your week too. like celebrate Easter Orthodox Easter, which is later on in the year if you need to. Or, or you know, like I think there are ways to engage in spirituality aside from that i think again this is an american thing it's a white supremacy thing it's like they're like oh you gotta have it on the day this is the day we've decided for everyone to have the spiritual experience the pastor and everybody and you don't have to you know what it reminds me of is new year's yeah it reminds me of new year's so i i was dating a fella a couple years ago on new year well uh on new year's and him and i were talking about like what are we going to do for new year's i was flying out to where he lived and all of a sudden, both of us were like, does it feel like today has so much expectation on it that it just really doesn't need to have? Because like tomorrow's coming. Like we are not young. I mean, we both like to go out. But what if like we just sat together and talked about what our hopes are for the next year? What if we just like had a really nice glass of wine? He had some nice whiskey and we just sort of sat and rested. And it was a great New Year's, there wasn't the pressure to go out and get, because I mean, living here where I live, this is what it feels like almost. You have to get so dressed up, you go and you're meant to have an experience. And there has not been a New Year's where I have gotten so dressed up, gone out with friends, da 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 da, that I haven't felt disappointed. And in some ways, these high holy days, when they don't include the things like this, the interesting thing for me is I love Good Friday. I love the lament because we don't have it. And so many churches go from parade to parade. So they go from Palm Sunday where we're like, woo, and then we go to the parade of Easter and there's no limit. There's no stop. There's no pause. And if there is, it's a lot of work for the clergy to make that happen. I wonder what it would be like to like admit to ourselves that a little bit these high holy days are like New Year's and that there's so much pressure for it to mean something. There's photo booths everywhere. What if we just, like you said, played around with it? Let it be what it is and don't set ourselves up to be disappointed. Yeah, I, honestly, I do think a fair amount of faith deconstruction starts with this like expectation for this to be a thing. And all of a sudden it's like not. And and I do think our calendar really pushes against the natural rhythms of nature you know, we have spring, you know, which is like spring resurrection. Okay. That's kind of on theme, but then like, but when then we're also throwing in this, like the death of God and, and like right in the middle of it. And that's, that's serious. I don't want to make fun of it so much, but it's like, it feels off theme for what's happening sometimes, you know, in the fall, when things are dying, that feels like a good time to me to celebrate the crucifixion, like in, in, in more ways than like, okay, spring, because what we do is we just bypass it. 
you know, up, up, up. This is like the crucifixion is this a speed bump. Jesus had like kind of a bad weekend. And then, ah, it's resurrection. And so like, yeah, emotionally, it just feels like this roller coaster. And in some ways, you're going to be disappointed because if you need lament, you're not going to really get it. If you need like celebration, well, you probably had too much of it. And so it doesn't, it does feel like this off kilter thing. And so engaging with it, I think we need to, but I also think that particularly as pastors or people that used to be pastors, this just might not be your day and find ways to celebrate resurrection, the coming of spring in other ways. Like I'm, I'm working, I worked on in my garden this morning and which feels like just such an old man. Freaking onion you are like, guys, I need you to understand that Justin is the most, I just found out Justin did archery for a while. So this is a crossfitter who plays D and D and did like, did you do Zen archery? Is that what you said? No, I did not. English longbow okay. was my special. Oh, sorry. Sorry. English longbow. Sorry, guys. And then now I'm discovering gardens. Like, who the hell are you, sir? <laughs> well, I'm also ADHD. I'm very acquisitive in my hobbies. Some have stuck around more than others. So anyway, like I'm working in this garden. So like, I, like to me, that's spring and resurrection. And I'm putting a compost down which is like last year's dead stuff. And there's a lot of potent metaphors there. And I, I don't have to make it something. Like it doesn't have to mean anything today, but it might mean something. And, and so finding those rhythms of spring to get into that aren't necessarily part of the church, because this was your job. And that, that it's, it's hard to do. And I, I say that as someone who's, yeah, I've largely left the structured faith. I still engage in a lot of spiritual practice, but whether you're in the more structured faith or not, I think finding those spring rhythms outside is where that's where the, that's where it's going to be. And the teachings of Jesus arose out of that stuff. Like most of Jesus most potent metaphors, his greatest hits didn't come from I'm like sitting in the synagogue one day reading and something came to me. You know, it's 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 being out in the world, engaging in the rhythms of the world and the seasons. Like it's almost as if that's maybe how it's supposed to be. It's interesting. It's this idea of returning to what already is. Whatever your theology or where you're at, or if you're not even a theological person, I think figuring out what feels natural and then letting that be okay. So whatever you feel on whatever holiday it might be you might listen to this podcast way out of order go for it i've i've heard so many stories lately of people who binge the whole thing i had a, a friend recently look at me and be like i listened to rev covering and i was like the f you are not anywhere near this like <laughs> world but all right uh, and he was like yeah, yeah i just find it really helpful <laughs> i was like okay but i whatever and whenever you're listening to this i think it's this what justin and i are hoping for people is that they allow things to be where they are acceptance and a sense of it's enough and the the story i told of new year's is just such a metaphor for me for everyone around us is acting like this should be a big deal target changes the aisles we feel like this should feel like a thing but i don't know how to encounter spirituality in the midst of that so maybe i'm not supposed to yeah but don't be surprised if you do like <laughs> there could be moments you know i I'll never forget the Good Friday. I put up Scott Erickson's Stations of the Cross around my church. And then for whatever reason, I decided to walk it. And 
something hit me in a way it had never hit me before. And it was for me. It wasn't for a sermon I was doing. And I think those are the moments, those like moments that you're not prepared for that mean the most. Yeah. You know, it's the miraculous mundane. And I just think that the reason we wanted to take a break from our storytelling is we wanted your story in this moment to matter. And if it's not flashy and, you know, doesn't have a bonnet on, it still <laughs> matters. And yeah, I just think there's so much holiness to whatever it might be. So if you're working in a garden, do something that feels connecting. And if you don't feel connected, fine. Let it just be another day. Yeah, I have I have friends that they get they reserve a nice brunch and they have mimosas and they don't really even talk about Easter on today. And and that's and that's good for them. It can be what it is. And I I joke with my spouse there's a there's a movie I forget what it is like Jennifer Garner or something and like they're sending a kid off to school and the dad says like have a great day and then she looks at him like that's putting too much expectation on it and he's like have the day that you have (laughs) (laughs) is that easy (laughs) a yeah I don't remember what it is but just like it's so like it's like a joke now with us and with myself like you know, like have have the day you have like this, you know, en- enjoy what comes to you today or receive it or or deal with it. And without putting that pressure for it to be some miraculous thing. Yeah, I love the liturgical calendar. I'll be honest, it's still something that means something to me. And part of it is I love that it has lament in it. It has rebirth and it. it has all these things. But I I also when I'm working with clients in my coaching business and helping them sort of like, I should be, you know, one of my clients, we we spent an entire session talking about where they felt they should be at this point. And I just feel like that's not the place to put your energy. What I, the expectation, because that's not where you are. It's not what, that's not what has happened. What if it is exactly what it should be? And that's kind of what we're, we're hoping to offer you guys and to allow your feelings to be what they are. And we're just really grateful that you're in this with us. Justin, any last thoughts on this, our special Easter episode? Yeah. So I know we were going to get away from storytelling, but I, not, I, always. I, I, not always. Well, as I was thinking about this episode, I don't know why, but I kept thinking of Vincent Van Gogh. Of course. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> and I think it's because to me, Vincent Van Gogh has this, he had had a tragic life. Let's just, I'll just say that. So it's not like the blueprint for faith deconstruction or ministerial deconstruction at all. Um, Cut your ear off. Wasn't, no, was that him? Yeah. That that was him. There is debate as to whether or not he did cut his ear off or it was after a fight with one of his friends. Oh, did his friend cut his ear off? There is some debate as to whether or not his friend cut his ear off with a sword and he was covering for his friend. Now, Vincent Van, which is sad to me that like his, like when people say Vincent Van Gogh, like, oh, that's the painter that cut his ear off. Yeah. He may have been lying to protect one of his friends, even anyway. So what a lot of people don't know about Van Gogh is that he was a pastor for many years or a number of years. Uh, He lived that long. So, um, (laughs) but he was this preacher's, he was a child of a preacher, was an art dealer on the side, just as like a, a side hustle. And what I find interesting about his life 
is that he was kicked out of the church like literally because they this was the complaint he is taking the teachings of jesus too literally that was the written complaint about van gogh like we are we want you we we have the have this house for you we want you to live in we have this nice salary we give you we want you to look presentable uh and you keep giving it away to the poor like you are taking the teachings of jesus too literally and i i find that so many of people that have become frustrated with the church that's the complaint like you you are taking jesus too seriously why are you talking about racism why are you talking about the poor why are you talking about social justice why are you trying to get us to be like jesus you're supposed to just do the easter sermon for us and obviously he left and he decided like i want to paint and this was, you know, this was, you know, his third act in life was painting. And unfortunately, his life ended ended tragically. I don't want that for anybody. But his greatest thing was his last thing he did, not the first, second, or even third thing he did. Gosh, that sounds like resurrection to me. In a lot of ways, you know. And, you know, in his painting, famous painting, Starry Night, like the the church is the darkest building in the village, in that particular painting there's no i don't think there's any lights on actually in the church and the focus is on obviously the night sky and i just i find his life to be an interesting metaphor for this uh, transition we're all in um again don't follow van gogh to a t please he had severe mental health issues that were unaddressed and we would you know we have therapy now and please do that but I, I also that like that rubbing up against something that like I wanted to do something transcendent and I couldn't in this venue, but he had 10 solid years of painting that it changed, you know, art and many people try to recreate his paintings now. And so I think it's okay to shift your perspective. It's okay to change. It's okay to realize this isn't working for me because I think the best thing could be the next thing. And that's, and that's good. You know, what's funny is on my door, my front door, I have this, uh, like, you know, framing the people almost like a friend's nod. Uh, I have this sign and I feel a little bit like, you know, Karen that has the gather sign, but I have this little thing and and I promise it's, it's uh, cute, but it says the best is yet to be. And I think that's, that's the gift is to think that maybe the story of the resurrection for me is this optimistic part of me that wants to believe that maybe the best is yet to be. I think that's, that's a good place to, that's a good place to leave it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of Recovery. And whatever your plans are for whatever holiday, this is when you're listening to it. Hopefully it gives you a sense of peace. Once again, friends, thank you so much for listening to this week's Recovery. We really appreciate all of your support. If you would like to be part of the community that is gathering in what we're calling the Recovery Room, there is a simple way to do that. You can support us on Patreon, which then gives you access to Discord. And there's several different ways and levels to do that. But in order to find out all of that, please go to patreon.com slash Recovery to hear more about that. At the end of each episode, we always share a poem or some writing or something that sort of goes around the discussion. And I don't know about you, but 
man, I, the conversation around Easter and holidays had me thinking about this idea of kind of this celebration and what does it mean to be in the midst of all of this. And so um, I wanted to share with you, I know, again, a John O'Donohue poem called For Presence. I hope that this resonates with you. Again, if you're not a poem person, go ahead and skip. Um, But we just want to offer this as a way to connect. All right. For Presence. Awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. Have joy and peace in the temple of your senses. Receive encouragement when new frontiers beckon. Respond to the call of your gift and the courage to follow its path. Let the flame of anger free you of all falsity. May warmth of heart keep your presence aflame. May anxiety never linger upon you. May your outer dignity mirror an inner dignity of soul. Take time to celebrate the quiet miracles that seek no attention. Be consoled in the secret symmetry of your soul. May you experience each day as a sacred gift woven around the heart of wonder. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in the Rev Recovery Room.